Rebirth of Venus. I'm Caitlin Matanley, and I'm a spiritual mindset coach, a personal development junkie, an all-around Venus worshiper, and a powerful witch. I'm here to talk dirty about evolution, revolution, and how to embody the archetype of Venus, original bad bitch, every damn day. Thanks for listening. Welcome to Rebirth of Venus. Today I am here live in Mexico City. Well, I'm always here live in Mexico City, but today I'm here with a friend. Today I'm here with my guest, Asia Dawn Simonelli, and she is a women's empowerment coach and relationship expert. I mean, wouldn't you like to be a relationship expert? (laughs) I know I would. A writer, a speaker, and a world traveler. So after Asia's divorce, she said goodbye to corporate America and started to travel the world solo, living out of a backpack. And yes, that's how we met because we, you know, connected on that whole what you pray love situation, which has actually become our real lives. So don't write us off just yet. (laughs) Now she uses Mexico City as a home base. Feeling called to help other women, Asia uses her international MBA and various coaching certifications to launch her own coaching business. And so today she takes women from heartbreak to purpose by helping them break free from their past, create space for healthy love, and step fully into their power. So I am so excited to have Asia on the show today. I brought Asia on the show today to talk about all things heartbreak, not just in terms of romantic heartbreak, but in terms of what to do and how to remain empowered anytime something doesn't go your way. Because let's face it, there are a lot of things, times in life when things don't quite go our ways. So I wanted to talk to Asia about that today and talk about how we can rediscover ourselves after challenges in our lives and how we can go forward from a place of empowerment. So welcome to the show, Asia. I'm so happy to have you. Thank you for having me here. Thanks for coming and recording at my place in Mexico City. This is so fun. Absolutely. Are you guys noticing how quiet it is here? You probably... well. Usually it's pretty, you know, thanks to technology, my podcasts sound pretty quiet, but we're like re- recording this from a tomb. I mean, like like a tomb of love. I do not live in a tomb, but I do live in what's kind of like a cave. It's quiet. That, that was my point. My, my metaphors are always so goth. <laughs> anyway, so I'm going to start with some icebreaker questions, summer camp style. I don't know what I'm talking about. I've actually never went to summer camp, but I think this is something you do in summer camp. I don't know. We're going to start with some icebreaker questions so you all can get to know the lovely Asia Dawn. So Asia, what random thing are you obsessed with right now? (laughs) What random thing am I obsessed with right now? Bonus points if it's something that people wouldn't expect based on the box that they tend to put you in. Oh, wow. This is like a very tough question for me right now. And you probably are looking at me like you could come up with a bunch of things that I'm obsessed with right now. And all I can think about is my Americano that I'm drinking right now because I'm obsessed with coffee. 
Maybe I mean, that could be something people don't expect. You know, you're like a black coffee drinker, and maybe people expect you to be more of the like exclusively green juice type. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That's true. I've had. I'm always trying to be the best version of myself, and I've had not one, not two, but three different people in the health world tell me you should stop drinking coffee, Asia. I'm like, great. I'm going to continue drinking my Americano in the yeah. morning. It's because it brings me joy. And you're like, bitch, the best version of myself drinks coffee. Exactly. <laughs> okay, one more question. How have you surprised yourself lately? Ooh, you are not going easy on me yeah, I with these I thought these were questions. easy. What? <laughs> How have I surprised myself lately? Mm. At the beginning of this interview, Asia said, don't ask me anything too hard. <laughs> And I thought that I was, you know, delivering, but apparently not. <laughs> uh, I've surprised myself lately by, uh, I would just say probably continuing to push back past these fears that I have. Um, really just as I continue my journey of dating and relationships. I mean, I just published another article in HuffPost last week and I was so vulnerable in it and I surprised myself because this time I did not have a full-on anxiety attack after publishing to the world like I did hey. the first time with HuffPost. It gets easier. So it gets easier. I'm, like, I'm getting more comfortable with being in the public eye as well. That's amazing and Asia Dawn has just published her second article with HuffPost um, and man I just like never really thought about how like what a big news outlet that is and how much that opens you up for um assholes <laughs> <laughs> there are haters <laughs> yeah no but in general just like it opens you up in general and i mean i remember with your first article you said that you know you got a lot of amazing emails but of course there are also hater emails and it just goes to show that the more you open up the bigger positive impact you have naturally that means that some people are going to like it so much so mm -hmm. i think that's awesome that you're continuing to push yourself in that way thank you Okay, so first today, I want to talk about how we can empower ourselves after things don't go the way we want or expect. And, you know, romantic heartbreak, I was about to say romantic heartbreak is your specialty. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I meant, obviously. Um, romantic heartbreak is maybe more of what you focus on in your work. And I also feel that a lot of the things of lessons we feel when it comes to having our hearts broken by a partner or a would-be partner are kind of the same thing that we experience when maybe something doesn't go our way in our business or at our job or in, you know, another personal accomplishment we were hoping to accomplish, things like that. So, I mean, I personally believe that regardless of the type of heartbreak, it's something that needs to be acknowledged and grieved. You know, it's not something we can just straight out come out of and be like, whatever, I'm going to live my best life. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, forget about you. I mean, that's the way we like to envision heartbreak goes, like in the movies where, you know, something bad happens, and then we like have our glow up and then we just are like, fuck you, I'm going to go live my best life. But the reality is it's a lot messier than that in real life. There might be that element of like the, you know, the glow up, but, <laughs> and I do feel like heartbreak makes us better, ultimately, it makes us stronger. Mm -hmm. But I want to talk to you about 
how we can step back into our power when we feel like it's been taken from us by a person or an opportunity or anything like that. Excellent point. So first of all, no one can take your power. And that's the first thing you need to remember, right? You need to take ownership of whatever it is that has happened that you're going through because really we kind of call in these experiences to teach us something or it's because it's what we need at the time and I know that's a really crappy thing to say if you're like no I'm heartbroken I do not I'm not asking for this or I did not ask to lose my job but the reality is what can you learn and understanding that this is the path you're supposed to be on and it's going to bring you to something better. So you are exactly where you need to be and just acknowledging that. So, you know, taking your pain into your purpose, like learning from whatever it is, taking it as a lesson. What can you learn from this and how can you focus on yourself and take ownership? Because when you put it on, like I've done this before in the past, I like couldn't stand my boss and I was in the victim mindset of, oh, like I can't, I'm not getting a raise because my boss hates me. Oh, um, yes. Corporate America, <laughs> da, da, da. You know, ultimately, I, I took ownership and honestly, like, I got the raise and then I realized it wasn't even about that. So here I am today working for myself. But it's just when you keep blaming external factors, you're really not going to get anywhere. So whatever it is, if another person has disappointed you, okay, like, they're doing the best they can. But now what can you do with that information and where can you go from there? I love that. It really forces you to step out of the victim mindset, you mm-hmm. know? I mean, I'm constantly pushing my own envelope as far as what, like, how I'm victimizing myself. And the funny thing about victim mindset is that once you clear out the low hanging fruit of the obvious things where you're like, okay, I can see how me saying, like, I'm not getting a raise because my boss hates me is a victim mindset thing. But then when you start to get deeper and deeper into sort of like the daily things you complain about, or one complains about, not you, Asia Dawn, (laughs) the daily things that one complains about, and you start to realize like, oh, I'm victimizing myself in all of these ways. It gets a lot more difficult because your ego, it really kind of goes against everything we're encouraged to talk about and bond over. And what's crazy is that as that happens, you start to realize that, like, you're not a victim of anything. And that can be really annoying (laughs) because it feels really good to blame others for, you know, us being in a bad mood or us not having an opportunity or whatever it is. And so my question for you is, well, I don't know, maybe do you have an example of sometime recently when you have realize that you were victimizing yourself in terms of maybe something that was like a more unexpected um, situation like this, like maybe in your daily life or some other way, even as someone who's done the work Mm -hmm. that you realize you still have work to do in this area. Yeah. Well, so for example, I chose to move to Mexico City for a variety of reasons, and I've been here for over a year now. And I still will catch myself complaining about all the things in Mexico City that are, I feel like, personally affecting me, attacking me, like the pollution, for example, you know, Mm. or just, um, I don't know, just it's, it's challenging living in a foreign country. And if I find myself complaining or being like, oh, well, things are just so much easier when I'm back in San Diego, I have to stop myself and realize, um, I've chosen to live here. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and 
And, you know, I, I'm choosing to be here and living this lifestyle. And if I want to complain about it, that's only just going to bring me down. And so instead, what can I do about it? You know what? If the pollution is affecting me, I can stay inside. I can go to the beach and fly to San Diego. Um, you know what? If I'm not happy here, I should just take ownership and leave. Matter, I'm very happy here, but I just sometimes notice myself nitpicking at little things. Mm-hmm. And then I, I catch myself right away. So it's a practice. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, and it's like we could always do better and encourage ourselves to do better, not from a place of like feeling bad or guilty about not being perfect, but of a way of realizing like how much we fool ourselves into thinking we don't have power. You know, like mm-hmm. just in my question I asked you about how we can take power back. The first thing you said, which was really resonant to me, was that nobody can take your power away from you. You know, it's like really a decision. And honestly, I think sometimes, especially as women and as strong women, this is something that I realized about myself a couple of years ago. I was actually deliberately giving my power away because it was almost too much for me to carry, Mm. you know? And I was putting myself in these positions where I was feeling controlled when I actually wanted that because I actually felt like, oh my God, if I fully step into my power, and I know that's a phrase talked about a lot (laughs) on Instagram, (laughs) but if if I fully stepped into my power, it almost felt like it was too heavy for me to carry. So for people who feel like they, you know, when we talk about like stepping into your power, okay, this is a two-part question. One, what does that mean to you? Like, how do you define this idea of stepping into your power? What does that mean? And second, for people who feel like they can't handle it, what is a way to like take a baby step to becoming more powerful so that we stop giving up that power to others? Mm-hmm. So I think fully stepping into your power is really owning up, taking ownership to who you really are and not apologizing for it. So, you know, if you are someone who is, uh, I don't know, you, you're you happy being single, for example, and you love to like go on dates with a bunch of men and you love just to hook up with people and have fun and you're not looking for a serious relationship. Yes, that used to be me. Own that. Own that. Do not apologize for who you are and do not like have one conversation with someone saying, oh, I don't know. Um, I think, you know, maybe I'm just not meeting the right person. You know, oh, for example, another big one, if you don't want to have kids, that's another big stigma I feel like in our society own up to that and do not apologize for who you are that's really stepping into your power is not apologizing for who you are no matter what your beliefs are and then just living in alignment with those beliefs so not going and like for example starting to date someone who says they want kids even though you know you don't want kids because it's ultimately going to bring you some sort of heartbreak or conflict um so when we start to give away our power, which I said no one could take it, but if you choose to like make it maybe easier on yourself at the moment because it's too much to bear, you're like, oh well, this this happier this person will be happier if I tell them this or if I behave in this way. You know, I think a baby step would just be to start acknowledging who you are at your core. I want you to get out your journal. So if you're not journaling already, please start journaling. And it can be first thing in the morning, it can be before you go to bed at night, or even send yourself an audio note when you realize that you are starting to give your power away. 
And what does that feel like? What situation are you in? And then what would it look like if you chose not to do that? Mm. Yes. Love it. Yeah. It's a good one. That's like that that reframe is powerful for so many things. Like mm-hmm. what would it feel like if I wasn't doing this or if I was doing the opposite? It really like gets you in a place of being past the challenge. I love it. Okay, so once we have like a big challenge like that kind of throws us on our feet or we feel like it throws us on our feet or on our, that's not really the expression throws us, throws us on our asses <laughs> not your feet <laughs> i feel like it could be a drinking game on my podcast like every time i just like have a confusing metaphor <laughs> or like confuse my metaphors i don't know it's all good anyway <laughs> if we feel like we're thrown on our asses by something like heartbreak, by something, any time that we feel like something hasn't worked out the way we wanted to or the way we were sort of banking on, how can we rediscover our challenges after these experiences? I mean, I'm sorry, how can we rediscover ourselves after these experiences? How can we rediscover, like, I like to talk about it in terms of, you know, getting your mojo back and just like kind of remembering like who you are and also getting clear on who you're becoming. Mm -hmm. That's really, really powerful because I feel like sometimes we feel like we need to make huge changes and I am someone who is a bit extreme in this area. (laughs) I was just telling you this morning. Yes, me too. (laughs) When something doesn't go my way, I am like, okay, well, I'm just going to go book a flight (laughs) and go somewhere else, go somewhere for the weekend, for the month, for the year and, you know, I'll figure it out somewhere else instead of, You know, first of all, that can be healthy, but if you're someone who doesn't want to uproot your entire life to figure out how to rediscover yourself, there are so many other options. And and first of all, just have compassion with yourself because I don't want you to feel like you have to change overnight or fix yourself overnight or heal overnight. There's so many things, especially on social media now, we're just seeing like all these quick fixes for whatever it is with certain time frames. And reality, everyone's different. Everyone's healing journey is completely different. So have compassion for yourself. Be kind to yourself. And then realize, okay, I'm in this moment, whether you feel like it's the lowest of the low or whatever that is for you, and start to ask yourself, what is going to make you happy now? What makes you happy? Because I feel like, at least for me, when I got my divorce, I thought, okay, everything is crumbling. Um, I'm in my victim mindset. I don't know what to do. So I'm just going to continue doing everything I'm doing until I finally said enough is enough. I, this isn't making me happy. My job isn't making me happy anymore. Living at this house isn't making me happy anymore. Clinging to my ex isn't making me happy anymore, hoping he'll change. So I just started reflecting on what makes me happy. Travel is a big one for me. Um, so if you could just start to, again, journal or just kind of turn within, maybe start a meditation practice and really do this self-reflection on, especially if it's after a breakup, like who are you now as like the individual yourself, not you plus your partner, because you really can take this moment after our challenge to understand what it is that you desire now, like right now. And And you might not know for the future, like right now in this moment, what is going to make you happy? 
And if that's making a change in another area of your life, go for it. If it's staying exactly where you are, but incorporating more self-care into your life, more compassion, um, more community, you know, start to build your community and really don't, don't feel like you have to make all these changes at once. Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. It's like, it's always about coming back to the present moment, you know? Yeah. A lot of times, I mean, I find this with my clients as well. People are like, but what am I, like, what am I supposed to do next? And I always say, well, what would feel good now? No. <laughs> and sometimes they think like, oh, what would feel good now is like knowing what to do. <laughs> but that's still deferring to the future. And sometimes what feels good now is very small. In fact, it often is. And it might not even seem related to the bigger problem you're trying to solve. But taking action from that place, first of all, it allows you to care for yourself in the present, but it also allows you to get clear on what you need now. Because after all, the point, the, the present is the point of power always. And that's where we make our decisions truly. Because even the things you think about of like, oh, you know, going on a, going on a trip next year will make me feel good. That's still pushing it off to next year when you can take action some way now. It might not be like immediately booking a plane ticket or it might not be travel related, period. It might just be something that you can do in the moment that makes you realize that you have value, that you're going somewhere, that your life is not over. And hell, sometimes it just is something that feels good, you know, mm -hmm. because that's really powerful. We just, we have so many value judgments on like what feels good and whether or not that's like productive or healthy or this or that. But sometimes we just have to trust ourselves, you know, and hell, sometimes in the case of a breakup, maybe it is something that isn't fully healthy <laughs> in the long run. But, you know, if you set kind of like limits on that behavior, I always say like, okay, if you're feeling the need after a breakup to like go and get super drunk or something, like at least make sure you do it with friends and you just set a limit on it. Like, hey, this is going to be my night. <laughs> you know, I'm not saying that you need that, but just recognize that like you're human as part of this and that you're not necessarily going to like pick yourself up and dust yourself off right away. So your self-worth. I think that when we experience these big challenges, these heartbreaks, these disappointments, we what really is happening is that our self-worth is being affected. It's being shattered in some way. So how do you feel like self-worth is challenged during difficult times? How do you feel like your self-worth is affected and how can we rebuild it? Mm-hmm once we realize kind of the toll that the challenge has taken on that self-worth? I'm going to say it again, have compassion for yourself because um, as you begin to discover some things, it might not feel great, but I would say really, if especially after some sort of split, so a breakup or leaving a corporation and you're trying to come out of that victim mindset, I want you to think about when did someone... If you're behaving a certain way, why? Is it because you picked something up along the way? You know, for me, I think when I was in a relationship for almost 10 years, I didn't realize like all these behaviors that I had picked up during that time were carrying over into post-divorce. 
and they weren't the healthiest things. So I needed to work with, I had a therapist, I had a coach, and really just understanding, oh, okay, so I'm people-pleasing because, right? Because, you know, this is something I picked up as a child, for example, and you can keep doing this work and digging, 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 which is why it's good to have support when you're really trying to build your self-worth and get to understand, you know, what you deserve. Because I feel like sometimes after an event, like a breakup, we almost set a limit, like we self-sabotage. And I've seen this with my clients, and I've seen it with myself too, where you feel like things are starting, like, for example, if you start dating again and you start having these beliefs from your past popping up and you have to recognize, okay, this is, this was my past. This is past behavior. This is something my ex used to say to me. It's not true. You need to remember that it's actually not true. So if you have something that comes up, ask yourself, is it true? Yes or no. And if it's not true, like, are you going to continue to choose to believe it or can you choose a different thought? It goes back to that reframe we were talking about. So reframing, like having the awareness that, you know, as you're continuing to build yourself and get to know yourself again, um, after maybe being, feeling like you've been like beaten down by some life challenge, you know, it's going to take time and practice, but it's something you definitely can do. You just need to have the awareness and acknowledgement that all these thoughts you have aren't necessarily yours. They're not necessarily true to who you are. It's stuff that you picked up along the way. It's crap. That you need to clear so starting with that would be really really powerful again going back to journaling going back to just like noticing these things um you know it's it's like a constant work in progress it's a constant you have the choice like you can choose what to believe right your thoughts and your beliefs those are going to affect your actions and so like how do you want to show up how do you want to live now like make that decision i love that you know, it, it really something just came to mind there which is it's actually a gift i mean in the case of a relationship ending i mean i guess this could be any relationship in your life might be a friendship also or like a work relationship but i think of it more in terms of you know romantic relationships when something ends you have the reason you have this opportunity opportunity to reinvent yourself is because you are kind of forced to extricate yourself from those things you've picked up from the other person, which might be toxic, or they might just not serve you, you know? I mean, there's a reason why after a breakup, we always feel suddenly so much freer, even if it's heartbreaking, because you naturally, for better or worse, change aspects of your behavior Mm. or your habits or your routines to accommodate another person. And that can be healthy, but it can also be unhealthy, (laughs) you know? Can, can you think of something, this is putting you on the spot, but can you think of something that in the past that you picked up from a relationship that you were surprised to find when you left the relationship that you're surprised to find wasn't really who you were? Wow. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, it always comes back to just wanting to put someone else's needs before me, like before mine. I'm definitely a giver. In general, and I think that can be good um, in many ways, right? Like giving back to the community, giving to friendships. But when you're actually not receiving, mm. <laughs> or you're just putting someone on a pedestal, I guess that's that was kind of embarrassing for me when I realized um, I did have some friends tell me afterwards, like you worship your ex, and I was like, I what? 
Me? I was becoming, I was like obsessed with the other person. I was obsessed with making him happy, obsessed with doing what he wanted to do, da 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 da, that it was almost like I lost myself. And so over the past few years, figuring out who I am again and not, and I still like, sometimes want to go back to it when I'm like dating or in another relationship I'm like ah but no but what makes you happy what do you want to do no no (laughs) what do I want to do what do I want it's it's like this thing I have to catch myself and I think people might be surprised to know that about me but it's it's really just how I I've shown up in my romantic relationships and something that doesn't always serve me and I need to really like catch so I'm not like just giving too much of myself and not receiving and not I'm not honestly just taking that power, that ownership of, like, what I want in the relationship. Absolutely. You know, that is I, – I've been talking a lot about recently how – and this is something I'm also striving to do myself, but I've been talking about how I think more of us could stand to be more self-serving, actually. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, genuinely self-serving. <laughs> we have this really negative connotation about what it means to be self-serving, and I actually think it's because most of us can't imagine truly putting ourselves first. And so we're so used to putting other people first that it's almost a badge of honor in you know, our culture. And I don't think that really does many of us any favors. Now, here's the thing. There's a difference between true, like truly serving yourself from a, pl- like from a higher place, a place of truly serving yourself, of loving yourself, there's a difference between that and sort of the fake self-serving. And I think people see this false self-servingness that a lot of people embody of being selfish in the, you know, the way we see it happening in our relationships. Like that person always puts themselves first. A lot of times that actually comes out of that person being more, you know, of them not being confident. You know, it's, it's not a lot of us will do things that are selfish, but then when it really comes down to asking what we truly need and fulfilling that, we fail to do it. And so, you know, how can we separate this idea of sort of the dark side of being self-serving, of doing things without, you know, considering others? How can we separate that from the healthy sense of serving ourselves? of recognizing what we do truly need and embodying it, especially when some people view the healthy, I know this is getting to be a long question now, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> you know, a lot of people view like the us, us setting healthy boundaries as selfish. So how can we kind of come to terms with the fact that sometimes doing things that we truly need to do for ourselves won't be popular? And sometimes what's popular doesn't serve us like how can we stay true to ourselves in that way I would just start by asking yourself so if I'm doing this for me like is this a good thing like what's the outcome and then how is it going to affect other people in my life right negatively or positively and I'm thinking if you're coming from a place of love if you're coming from like pure intentions of really just wanting to better yourself protect yourself that's not attacking anyone else. That's not attacking the world. And I think boundaries, I talk about it all the time with my clients because that's something that um, they tend to struggle with. It's Boundaries shouldn't be seen as a negative thing like telling someone like this. It, you're, you're doing boundaries out of love because it's protecting yourself and then it's also protecting your relationship with that person, whatever that looks like.
So if you're telling someone, um, like if you have a kid, for example, and you're like, okay, I'm going to stop giving you money every single time you ask me, it's good for you because you're not just like letting your kid kind of walk all over you now that maybe she's an adult, for an example. Um, and it's good for her because she's starting to get more responsibility and like learn how to kind of be self-sufficient. For example, this is something that just came up with one of my clients. She's like, you know, like I love being able to give. A lot. It's a, it's a theme. Givers. We're all givers, right? I love being able to give, but you know, like when is it going to stop? I'm like, well, it's when you decide it's time for it to stop. And you know, why, why do you want it to stop? And just kind of like digging a little deeper. Why are you setting this boundary? Why are you focusing on yourself? Why are you choosing to take time out to go to that salsa class, for example? It's not because you are like ditching another commitment. It's because you're saying yes to yourself and setting time aside for yourself each week. And in doing that, that's healthy for you. It's going to make you a better person and you're going to show up better in your relationships. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's really it's one of those things where ultimately you're never going to make everyone happy. But right. if you're really confident on why doing something serves you and others, most people will pick up on that confidence and mirror it back to you. Mm-hmm. But if you're feeling sort of wishy-washy around your, you know, around doing things for yourself and you're feeling like it's not the right thing to do, they mirror that back as well. Everyone's a mirror for us. That's so true. And especially <laughs> in our relationships, right? <laughs> yes. Um, oh, that actually brings me to something else. So what happens when you're heartbroken about something or someone and you realize that the things that they're mirroring back to you are not flattering? Like, I'm not going to say maybe you were the one in the wrong because I don't think it's ever that easy. It's never like one person was right and one person was wrong. I don't think ever. But... Sometimes we realize that what we're getting back or what's being mirrored back to us in something that isn't going our way reflects something in us that isn't flattering. How do we deal with that in a productive way, in a way that allows us to like fully own our side of the street and also shift it in a healthy, productive manner? Mm-hmm. That's so good. That Right, because you always want to put the blame on the other person. Or right. it's easier to be like, no, 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 like they cheated on me they were lazy in the relationship they you know whatever and so when it finally ends and you can look at what parts of you do you still need to heal what parts of you can be like there's probably a core wound there and you might not have even realized it was there it could have been carried on from childhood from previous relationships things that you haven't fully addressed And the way that these things that might be unflattering, right, like if we keep saying, oh, why do I keep um, allowing someone to walk all over me? Why do I keep getting into a relationship with a narcissist? Like I was married to a narcissist. And if you aren't familiar with that, I mean, there's a lot of uh, emotional abuse and drama. And why did I choose that person? Oh, it's because of my upbringing. It's because of a lot of different things that luckily I was able to clear out working with a therapist, having my spiritual practice, having a coach and like raising my self-worth because if you don't raise your self-worth, you're always going to think that you are worthy and or deserving of the same type 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 of relationship, type of person, right? And so 
I would just say look at it. Take a, take a look at it, have compassion, and then figure out how you can heal it. So maybe you can do it on your own or maybe you need some sort of help. But if you ultimately want to be in the best kind of relationship, if you want to continue working on yourself, right? Like it's this, it's this endless path. It's like a beautiful thing, actually. I like figuring out when I'm, I have something else to work on or something that I haven't fully healed because I'm like, okay, that's something I can work on now. And it can make my current relationships better, my future relationships better. So just see it as a learning opportunity. You don't need to be so hard on yourself. Absolutely. You know, it's actually, it can feel really good if you approach it from that point, a place of growth. Because then, I mean, the way I look at it is this. I've actually done pretty fucking well for myself, even with my own bullshit, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So when I discover, like, a new way that I'm bullshitting myself, it's like, oh, like, I've already, I've already killed it. And if I fix this, I'm going to kill it even more. <laughs> you know, and it's important to be productive with this. And the thing about victim mindset is that I actually believe that victim blaming is another form of embodying victim mindset. Because here's the thing. A lot of us victim blame ourselves. And so we're, it's, this, it's like we're in this gray area between, okay, I'm in charge. Like, I control my energy. I control what I attract, et cetera. So you're stepping out of victim mode, but then the kind of dark side of that is, oh, like, this is all my fault. I created everything and like, oh my God. And of course, sometimes other people are the ones giving you that message, especially in the spiritual world. But that's another, that's just like a shadow side of the same exact mindset, which is that you're not, you know, in control because the way, the thing about being in control and being empowered is that it is empowering. It's never about taking your power away. So if you feel like you're swinging the opposite direction and you're just like, oh, this is all my fault. Like I'm to blame. This isn't about blaming anybody. Mm -mm. This is about recognizing that energy is always a two-way street and you're only, you only have control of your side of that street. So clean it up as much as you can because you can never control how somebody else, what somebody else brings to the table. Right. And when you're vibing really high, you're going to start calling in other people that match that vibration. Absolutely. I know you talk about this too, but it's really true. So if you're like, oh, why can't I just meet someone who is, I don't know, who loves themselves and they can love me? Well, do you love yourself? I mean, this is something I continue to look at for myself too, right? Because what you want in the opposite partner or the opposite job or whatever it is the other person like are you already embodying those qualities yourself you need to take a a good look at that I love that I mean and that's like in terms of romantic relationships especially Mm -hmm. although yeah you could definitely apply it to other things that's a big eye-opener you know if you make like the list of your ideal partner and then recognize like am I being the ideal partner I remember calling a friend out about this because she had this like really long list (laughs) (laughs) and I'm all for like clarity and exact and identifying exactly what you want but sometimes you can tell or like maybe your 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 smart objective friend who knows you really well can tell (laughs) that your list isn't being fully honest and you're expecting someone else to show up in a way that you're not showing up you know I mean, even if, even in terms of the superficial things, like people who put on their list, like, I want the person to have a lot of money. Well, it's like, well, and, and be able to support me. Well, are you able to support yourself? I feel like if you're somebody who is, like, super financially secure and you really support yourself, it makes sense that you'd want that in a partner. 
But if you're not doing that, you're just looking for like a bailout. That's just an example, but it kind of you're gonna if, if you if you attract it, it's gonna be for the wrong reason. I feel mm-hmm. absolutely. Have you ever had a funny experience where like you? I don't. I feel like I hear a lot about a lot of sort of haha moments about this idea of like making the list of your ideal partner, and either you find someone who's got like all of those things but something is really you know off or you realize that like the list wasn't accurate have you ever like gotten exactly what you wanted and sort of regretted it (laughs) may not regretted it but like just had like a very funny you know universal wake-up call around that yes oh okay (laughs) do i have to share well oh if you want i'm just thinking about you can you can change names and like places and and whatever else needs to be changed to keep them anonymous. Although I'm sure they're not listening. Uh, no. I've just been on some very um, extreme dates and met some very extreme <laughs> people. And maybe, and I don't know, it wasn't like, I don't know. I think I was just playing around with the idea of like how opposite can I get from my last relationship, mm. right? Because it's kind of good to know what you like, what you dislike. And so you would think that going to Cabo on a third date with someone would be, wow, like. (laughs) You would think. And yet. (laughs) But it all came crashing down when I saw what that person really was. And it was kind of embarrassing to say, but he is also a narcissist. And so I'm like, oh, my gosh, the universe is kind of testing me because I thought I wanted someone who. I don't know, would just, like, pick up and travel with me, right? I st- that is still something I want. Um, someone who, like, takes charge in the relationship and is, like, a different, like, culture and, like, has, but also has appreciation for all these things. And I don't know. Somehow it turned into, like, this really big personality and someone who had all these things I wanted, but then it wasn't, like, he didn't care for me at all. He actually just wanted me to please him and serve him. And now that I know that was what I was doing in my past relationship I saw right away oh my gosh red flag third date in Cabo thank you very much but thank you next I'm done and we ended it after that but I can't believe I I was shocked I was actually kind of hard on myself I was like how did I just call in another narcissist when I've done so much work healing from that you know Mm. well you know sometimes we focus so much on like the external indicators of like the, you know, the, personal, the, the personality type we want them to be or, like, the things we want them to do that we forget that ultimately what matters beyond anything is how they make you feel, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Like, someone can check all the boxes and still just make you feel off, you know? And sometimes it's just, it's just not a match. And I think that is ultimately what it comes down to. It's amazing to have clarity in terms of anything you want, but ultimately you have to be clear on how you want to feel how you want to feel in the relationship, if it's for a job, how you want to feel in the job. You know, you might be like, I want this job. But if how you want to feel is completely separate from that or completely opposite to that and you're not aware of that, even if you do get that opportunity, you're going to wish you hadn't. And that's why, you know, I I don't like the expression, like, be careful what you wish for. You might just get it because it's like new age fear mongering a lot. Mm. (laughs) You know, I actually think, it's important to like step into your power, to embody it, to decide what you want, to get it, and then to see like, oh, maybe I need to refine a few things, you know, instead of being so afraid of like being decisive because it might not be perfect, you know. Right. Um, well, thank you so, so much, Asia, for this conversation today. I really enjoyed talking to you about all of these ideas. And 
what's it's so interesting as we talk about this stuff because you know we think of these things in terms of relationships but the more I evolve the more I realize everything's connected mm-hmm. <laughs> which sounds really obvious but it's so true because you know relationships ultimately come down to self-worth and to clarity on our desires and if you lack those things you're going to have problems in every area of your life you really are and so I want to ask you just to close out here is there anything else you would like to share with the world where can my listeners find you well if they want to learn more about the work I do or if they just want to get some good free content um go on over to my website which is asiadon.com asiadon.co. Um, I have a download there that I think um, could be really helpful based on some of the topics we covered today, which is how to start over five tips for a fresh start. So you can go get that there. And if you're someone who's a single woman, or perhaps you're going through a divorce or just got out of a relationship and are interested in private coaching with me, I am taking on a few clients. So again, on my website, we can apply there and we can see if coaching's right for you. Otherwise, I'm always on Instagram. You can just slide into my DM. It's at AsiaDawn underscore. And I'm always posting content and fun stuff there. So I love to connect with you over on Instagram. Awesome. Thank you so much. And those links will be in the show notes as well. So if you are interested in learning more about Asia and her work, or if you just like to follow her pretty pictures on Instagram, which are fabulous too, <laughs> thank feel you. free to click on those links there and find out more. So thank you all so much for listening. I will see you in a few days for our next episode. Have a beautiful, beautiful, Thanks beautiful for weekend. Having me. Thank you so much. It was so fun. Love you. Thank you. <laughs> Bye-bye, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved this episode, be sure to leave a five-star review in the Apple Podcast app and share it with a friend. I would love to hear from you. Let's continue the conversation on Instagram. DM me at rebirth underscore of Venus and be sure to grab your free ritual guide at rebirthofvenus.com.